You know, this week, we are reviewing some films, and it made me remember TBS. Do you remember TBS? Maybe I can't say it for contractual reasons. Am I allowed to say yeah, it? I think you can, yeah, you can say yeah. it. I, I mean, I feel like when I was a kid, on Sunday afternoons, when it's raining outside and you're like, oh, I'll just see what's on TV. I'm a kid. Do what I want. No responsibilities. And I feel like TBS had, obviously, in hindsight, the rights for like a select handful of films, like the same half dozen or five or so. And, you know, there's some repeat, there's some cyclical element to it where it's like, oh, it's this kind of Sunday because this movie's on again. And (laughs) I feel like some of the votes this week were fell into that category of like, oh, it's this movie that used to be on TBS all the time. So I had huge deja vu vibes with TBS this week. And I just had to share that. Okay. I I really did. And you feel better now? I do. (laughs) Good. I got a giggle out of it. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Movie Men Podcast. I am Peter. That is Brady. And uh, we are back to voting. We are doing our yearly back-in-time votes. We we get some options. Some are from Brady. Some are from me. Some are from patron supporters. And uh, we put the votes out, and people have their say. And we're here again to talk about a movie that won the vote. And it's True Lies. Yeah, honestly. I had never seen this movie before. Really? I am yeah. actually shocked by that. I'm surprised Carl Eastman like never showed it to you. He may have tried. Yeah. Or like insisted. But <laughs> I resisted. No. I yeah, I didn't even know what I was going into. Like I didn't know what it was about. Mm. I had no clue. Like I mm. I knew of it. I saw like I was familiar with the cover. Oh of, yeah. You know, like the D V D cover and stuff. Um, but yeah, I didn't know what to expect other than Arnold. I didn't know who was in it. Mm. Um, I didn't really know the genre, right? Like I just assumed, oh, it's like an action. Sure. It's an action film. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, and because I thought it was just a nineties action movie starring Arnold, (laughs) I wasn't really stoked going into it Hmm. Hmm. not because there's anything wrong with arnold or 90s action films it's just not my yeah cup of tea is yeah it's not the thing that i gravitate towards Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. now every so often i find like i adored the rock i thought the rock was great sure um but i was like oh i don't know if it's just like if it's just like political stuff and gunfights and car chases and stuff like then i'm like i Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if he's just some cop or something, <laughs> then it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm into it. <laughs> do you have trivia? I do. Before I do, I'll peel the window back. I do want to lap back and talk about the movies that were voting options for a specific reason. Uh, but we did have some commonality, obviously the Arnold versus Nicholas Cage and uh, 
It's interesting. It's just interesting in Hollywood, and nothing's changed, where actors will have these cyclical spouts where, like, they'll just have, like, three movies come out in, like, a year and a half. And, you know, it's just wild that, like, in one calendar year, these two mega movie stars had two, at least two, two movies coming out each. But anyway, the voting options were It Could Happen to You, Nicolas Cage, TBS Special, YOLO, um, Guarding Tests, Nicolas Cage, Junior. Junior is the reason I'm bringing this up. Junior, to me, is OG movie men. Because back when the show was in its infancy, when we did what you watched and it forced you and I to watch a movie that the other recommended, Junior was one of the very first. It, it was, If it wasn't the first, it was within the first handful of movies that you made me watch. And I just have like such i i remember enjoying it so i would have been enjoying watching it again and breaking it down and getting a kick out of it and getting some nostalgia from it but it did not win and so that is that is where we are so junior was the third option and obviously true lies rounds it out and here we are with true lies yeah so initial impressions oh no you have trivia trivia Trivia. yeah brief uh, trivia yeah so a couple tidbits first production wise James Cameron, LOL, obviously. I uh, pff, like. I was shocked when I saw his name come across wait, the screen. Wait, wait, wait. You have no trivia music? What is... You're just... Well... I, I did... Uh, listen, I did task you. Yes. I did task you with finding new trivia music. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, yeah. I'm not convinced I have what I want to be okay. the new trivia but music. But you've been looking? I Yes, I have. Okay. Well, I then so hold off. Because there's no point in there's no point in doing it for the sake of doing it. Hold like, off I've got until a sound. it's just right. It's just a different like it's a new sound. So if you want the new sound, I can do the new sound. It's I'm, just I'm not- curious. Can I? Yeah, and I'll give you feedback. It's it's not it's it's a placeholder. So don't you can't. Okay. okay. Yeah. That was it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it reminded me of like. I don't know, like whatever network Mr. Rogers was on <laughs> prior to, you know, like the, yeah. the, the network advertising itself type of mm. thing. Like <laughs> this is, this is PBS. Yeah. PBS. Buy this, that's buy what it was. this yeah. bag and we'll keep putting yeah, on shows like, on yeah. TV. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> anyway. well, I'll keep looking. <laughs> I definitely will. Uh, production. James Valley, James Cameron was involved with this, and I which was I also shocked. didn't know until I, was I watched. Just shocked when that name came across the screen. I was shocked, uh, but it's wild. So this film cost over a hundred million to produce, and it was the first film with a production budget over a hundred million, apparently. Uh, and there was a sequel, fleshed out to a degree. Uh, there was a script. The actors agreed to come back. There were different times, or they, you know, they were kind of rounding up the wagons, and then, you know, it got pushed back, postponed. Uh, but it seemed like there was definitely some interest because it was a successful film, and everyone was interested in coming back. And then finally, what kind of put the nail in it and made it never return again was sadly nine eleven. Just because this is a film that deals with different terrorist subplots and whatnot, um, I guess just elements of the sequel. Were, were done in a way where, or at least written in a way where they just didn't feel comfortable producing and, and releasing such a film in the post 9-11 era. So James Cameron just said, you know, terrorism is, you know, something that's no longer taken lightly if 
if it ever was, but especially since 9-11. So it was just something that when the world changed in 9-11, there just wasn't an atmosphere for it. And so the sequel never came about. So I did read that um, because when this movie ended, I thought to myself, man, they set this up perfectly for a sequel. <laughs> right. A sequel that I would watch. Like, sure. I feel like I would be curious. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's interesting that that was because like other, like 9-11 had that effect on many things. Oh, yeah. But it had the opposite effect on a lot of things too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Kiefer Sutherland in, right. in 24. Yes, that show rode on the coattails of 9-11. It was that it we is. were now so aware of terrorism. Yeah, it's weird that, yeah, some things it just halted and some things it just perpetuated. It's weird. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, my question for you, simple. Yes or no? Did True Lies crack the top three of worldwide grossing films in 1994? Oh, geez. Okay, you've got... James Cameron, who at this point has done Terminator 2, yeah. so he's yeah. he's big. Mm-hmm. Arnold obviously is big. He is. Yeah. Is Bill Paxton big at this point? I don't... He's not insignificant, but I don't think people are buying tickets to see it's him in pre- a It's pre-Twister, it's pre-Titanic, it's yeah, pre... So. Yeah. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, obviously, big, is, yeah. is big. Um, Tom Arnold is well known, but not necessarily for, you know, he's not yeah. like yeah. Oscar bait. Um, <laughs> top three. And I mean, for context, for competition that year, you've got Lion King, you've got Ooh. Forrest Gump, you've Ooh. got The Mask, you've Ooh. got The Flintstones, you've got Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> you've got Four Weddings and a Funeral. Like you've got, it's I not like- I think Dumb and Dumber did really well. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say yes, it did. Okay. And I'm going to say that because I think you're trying to talk me out of saying yes by telling me all these other great things. But when I say that, there was also a lot of crap movies that came no, out no, in 94 as well. No, I'm like, saying There yes. was like, you know, the film adaptation of the, the, the toaster manual that you have. So like, you know, there's a lot of things that it could have beat out. Yeah, which had a way overblown budget but uh, yeah. yeah so i'm gonna say yes it did it, it made it in number three so lion king and forrest gump blew it away like forrest gump doubled true lies but still top three surprised me because when i yeah when i was aware of this title and i went okay arnold yes okay and when i look at the other things that came out that year like interview with a vampire with tom cruise and dumb mm-hmm. and dumber and speed and the flintstones and you know I guess just for the Flintstones, I'm going to leave that one out. Like what it is, what it is. I don't even. No, no, man. Flintstones had Rick Moranis and John Goodman. And I guess it's been a while, but I guess my point is there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of coin coinage where, when I list some of these films that are, they're ringing, bringing in the bucks. And I guess I was just shocked. I wouldn't have never pegged this as a top three of the year, but uh, it definitely was. So I found that interesting. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to just. I'm curious who directed the, the. Oh, okay, no one, no one really significant directed the Flintstones. I was just wondering if it was like a, you know. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Rosie O'Donnell was in it. Like, yeah, it. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor, Halle Berry. Hmm. The 1994 Flintstones is nothing to be scoffed at. Hmm. Interesting. Have you seen it? 
I, not since childhood. I, I actually, yeah. and I didn't, it's not like I even grew up with it. It was one of those films that, I, again, when you didn't own the VHS, you didn't have access to it. So I think I literally watched it at like a cousin's birthday party. And so I remember vague memories of it, but nothing, nothing in I feel, particular. I feel like I grew up with the live action Flintstones more mm. than I grew up with the actual Flintstones. Oh, see, I'm the opposite for sure. With the exception of like, a couple of like the Christmas specials. Oh, sure. Of course. Right. Cause around yeah. Christmas you watch like oh. the Christmas, everything, right? Yeah. Like I didn't grow up watching Garfield, but I've seen the, the Garfield Christmas special. Oh yeah. Right. So it's just like, yeah. But Flintstones, Jetsons, like all that Hanna-Barbera stuff. I didn't, I didn't grow up with Yogi Bear. I didn't grow up with any of that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. We were me- melting army men with, with magnifying glasses and building meth pipes out behind the right like it was it was a different time <laughs> sure was uh, well initial impressions um like i said i went into it with zero expectations mm-hmm. and those expectations were almost instantly subverted hmm. like yeah I everything for the opening sequence where I was like, this is a like the movie starts and I'm sitting there thinking, did we miss a James Bond movie when we did our 007 series? Because <laughs> he's like wearing the suit and he's like dancing with the ladies. And I don't know if it's the opening sequence, but at one point in this movie, there's like guys on skis with machine guns. Yeah. I'm like. Yeah. This is this is a 007 ripoff mm-hmm. if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Um but it was funny. It was it was funny almost from the get-go. Um and almost like v- quickly loses a lot of like there's not there there are some big action sequences, but mm. it's not an overly action heavy or like gunfight heavy movie. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of it is like is built into the comedy. And like I said, mm-hmm. I went into this having no idea that it was a comedy or that there were any comedic aspects to it. Um, I really liked this movie so much so that, it, like I said, I looked up and I'm like, this, they feel like, I feel like they set this up for the sequel. Please let <laughs> right. there be a sequel. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't. Uh, but yeah, no, I, everything from Bill Paxton's character, um, who you love to hate. What a sleazeball. What I mean, a, oh my gosh. I, I, some of the references he said too, I just didn't even understand, but. So stuff like that, Arnold just being Arnold, like, I don't know how you top Arnold on a horse in an elevator. Like that's, that was, you know, <laughs> um, it's just, it's really funny. It's well-written and it's, it's questionable at times, like when he's, when he's, I don't know, when he's doing the whole stuff around like his cheating, the wife who he thinks is cheating on him and he has her like kidnapped and stuff and they're in that room and, and the interrogation thing, I was like, oh, okay, this is like a little, Mm. you know, a little bit of an abuse of your power, but at the same time, like. I don't know. You're pretty hurt, but then the whole hotel thing. Oh I was like, gosh. "Okay, pal. Like, if she doesn't, if she wasn't cheating on you before, <laughs> you've given her every reason to now." <laughs> um, but no, it's 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 
it's good. And I, I think that this is Arnold at his, this is his element. Mm. I was thinking about it. I was watching it and yeah, this like this true lies kindergarten cop jingle all the way kind of, cause he's funny. He is genuinely funny and not just like, oh, it's funny because he has an accent and he's foreign. No, he's mm-hmm. like his oh, yeah. comedy sensibilities are on point. Mm-hmm. And and so he can bring the action, he can bring the laughs, and he when when he's in a movie that marries the two of them together, mm-hmm. he is just nonstop success. And I think that this is a prime example of that. Hmm. So, what are your first impressions? You hit on something that I definitely am going to round right back to once we do initial or or finished with initial impressions. But, um, yeah, I I had no knowledge of this film and going into it. And then when I watched it, I feel that it's a tale of two films for me. So, first half, uh, completely unexpected and I would say incredibly unique. Uh, you've got these, these comedic gold that's very light. Um, and I got, I don't know, there's some overlap, and this is why I got the reference, that in some ways it's out of left field. I got huge Mr. and Mrs. Smith vibes from this. Obviously yeah. slightly different, but you've got this obviously secret agent, power dynamics, relationship dynamics, things that are overlapping between work and personal life. And so you've just got this bleeding into each other done in a light way. And so I think just when this first half had that, like I thought it was comedic gold, obviously entertaining i found it genuinely entertaining and just like i just couldn't get enough of this like family life bleeding into his work life and vice versa and the spy dynamic and you know stopping in front of his house and and his co-worker being like right here's your keys here's here's your gift for your kids remember you've got soccer practice that's you know like just this put your wedding ring back put on your wedding ring on. he's getting a debriefing just for getting back into normal everyday life so i, I just loved it I loved everything about the 90s lifestyle. You know me and my 90s nostalgia, uh, balancing of the both worlds. And, you know, yeah, it gets a little hokey when he starts questioning, interrogating her. You know, it's like, okay, this is kind of a gray area. And then in the hotel room scene, it's like, okay, you've you've crossed the line here. This is too far. But even still, to the end of just comedically using agency resources inappropriately and just like the banter between him and his partner, it all works to the same goal of just being entertained. So I, I couldn't get enough of it. And then oh, for yeah. me, for me about halfway through the film, then it just really hit a, a pacing and tone shift. And I, I really didn't like the second half. So uh, I found it kind of mundane for like forgettable hollow, some of the action, I was like, okay, I get it. He's, you know, he's the hero to his husband, and 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 you know, things are going on, and just it was com- again a comedy. So like when he's like walking around and shooting in both directions, and just like crazy farcical action is going on. I get it. It's part and parcel with what's going on, but just after a while, I got numb to it. And I'm like, okay, let's move along. Let's get back to like the gold that made this film in the first half. And and you don't really return to that as much. You just get some of these action sequences, and you get hints of it. You know, when you get like a seagull teetering on the front of this 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 truck, and then it tips over and, and it explodes. So you get you get hints of it, but uh, 
it's just not very edge of your seat worthy as far as action goes and then it's also not comedic so it it, to me it just kind of gets kind of pointless gratuitous violence that's you know i'm i'm not getting my breath taken away and it's not as funny as the first half so i i feel like it definitely went off went off a cliff so far so it's a tale of like adoring a film and then it, it kind of wore off for me so that that's kind of my initial impression but where i want to take this and i want to ask you and i feel like carl will start yelling into his his listening device with an answer of his own because he's an arnold fan but when i was trying to ask the question when i watched this film is arnold a good actor because i feel like like me like many people maybe make him the butt of their jokes where you know hey he's arnold he's in a movie because he's big he's he's ripped he's famous but i i did truly want to ask is he a good actor in this film and part of that question i guess is just what is arnold's mo because i think i always assumed it was things like predator which i've seen or things like terminator which i haven't seen but i'm aware of like the kind of tone he plays in that film so I always knew Jingle All the Way was an outlier to those things. But I'm just curious, like, Brady, what is his M.O.? Like, when I saw this film, which is, like, comedy-laced and lighthearted and action-y, and that just surprised me. So if that's his M.O., I I just didn't realize that. And now that I'm seeing, like, I've seen Kindergarten Cop, and now that I've seen True Lies, I'm like, oh, is there a aspect of Arnold that I've just been totally oblivious to that I thought it was just kind of the predator things where it's like serious intense and I'm just curious like what is Arnold's MO as it relates to him being a good actor or not like what is he known for like where 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 what should I be aware of I'm sorry what's the question no um, <laughs> like what, <laughs> what, what what is Arnold's MO yeah, um, like I don't know I think I think a lot of things but uh, you know first and foremost like you know the the bodybuilding action star for sure right sure. so like terminator and and predator and and um uh what's the one with the um oh where he they put him in the the machine and then he uh, they did a re- total recall right oh, so like okay. stuff like that um but then but then i think i think they I think what happened was, you know, you have them in all these like crazy over the top action films. Um, and then somewhere at some point, someone must have realized, oh, maybe he can also act. Like maybe, you know, maybe we don't just need him to be this like brute force, whatever. And then you start getting things like twins and junior and. Hmm. Um, True. True kindergarten cop and true lies and jingle all the way and stuff like that where where he's got a little more you know not necessarily autonomy but like he's got a little more opportunity to show some range Hmm. um and so his mo i don't like that's hard to pin down but like i said i think that this is prime arnold is when Hmm. you put him in a position where he's able to be funny while also kicking ass. Which, which I think in this new light, I think I have a new appreciation for Arnold because as you should, as I should, I think I've always just labeled him as just who he is. And it, 
you know, he's in movies and that's just kind of the extent of it. But he is comedic in this film. He he is the very nature of this film. Like he he helps propel it forward. So by that by that merit, he is a good actor. Right? Oh yeah. And I don't like I don't think this film would work near as well with anybody else. Sure. Or it definitely wouldn't have the same desired outcome. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I wonder if Carl will be satisfied with what we just said. I think I think Arnold's a good so to answer the other question that was kind of in there somewhere, I do mm-hmm. think he's mm-hmm. a good actor. Okay. You know, I don't think I don't think you'll ever give Arnold an Oscar. I don't think mm-hmm. he's I don't just because that's not really his type of role. Yep. Like I don't think you're gonna put him in a a super dramatic you know Oscar bait movie. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think not because you couldn't, but just because you're not then tapping into his full potential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not tapping into you know, like it's 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 weird to say, but he's he's almost better than Oscar movies. Oh. Like he's 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 so good at what he does. He fits that that role of comedic action so well um, that going in doing an uh, an Oscar bait movie would almost be beneath him in some ways. I maybe I I think there's just always people actors have individual skill sets and maybe the skill set that he has doesn't always align with the skill sets that's that are going to get you an Oscar. And just with the way that Oscars are awarded and not awarded, that's not an insult. I'm just, you know. Oh, I'm just trying to kiss ass with Carl right now. Oh. That's, that's, that's all I'm doing. I'm just yeah. saying. No, no, no. I'm just saying he does have a good skill set. Yeah. Where? Um, oh, go ahead. Well, I just, what my fa- there's, there's a moment in this movie that I love so much that not only is it my favorite moment in the movie, but it probably cracks like my top 10 made me laugh the hardest out of any movie I've ever seen. (laughs) What? Yeah. And it's in the opening scene. First act. Sure. When he's escaping, right? Mm -hmm. His whole plan is I'm just going to walk out. Mm -hmm. I'll just walk out the front door. Yep. And he's getting chased by these dogs. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And he turns around and two dogs lunge at him at the same time. And he just like bashes their heads together and says, stay. Mm. And then keeps going. And I was like, that is amazing. Like, <laughs> you know, and I was like, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's bad that I'm laughing so hard at this. Like, obviously, no, no dogs were harmed in the filming of the movie. or you Well, know, whatever, it was but, like, 1994. So I, we can't say that. No, for sure. I don't. They didn't actually bash the heads of two dogs together. We don't but, know that. But I don't know. I was just like, that is so badass. And it's so <laughs> like it just tied so well into the whole like James Bond-esque. Like it right. was so smooth and mm-hmm. so perfect and flawless. Just this whack stay. <laughs> and then kept walking. Oh my gosh, it was so good. Which he said stay, right? Like he said that to him. Yeah, he says stay. So it, yeah. which is something like there were this movie was filled with one-liners again like James Bond. Now that you mention it, uh, like when he's in the the bathroom at the mall, 
and has the fight with the one henchman and then ends him off. And I think the henchman's head is in a urinal. Yeah. And he just walks away and he says, here, cool off. Like, there were just cool so many one Or when he fires fires the guy from the rocket and he's like, you're fired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. This is so good. Oh, man. And the other hilarious moment to me, just because of the the insanity just the bizarreness of it Mm -hmm. is when they're raiding bill paxton's trailer and he uses thermite (laughs) to like melt the side of the trailer off like instead of just kicking in the door (laughs) they use thermite to like cut off the end of the trailer and like storm in at which point it's so funny because at which point Helen is probably thinking to herself, like there's a brief moment until she sees how Simon reacts and how yeah. cowardice and pathetic yeah. he is. There's a brief moment where all this is doing is validating Simon's story. Yeah. Like, oh, there is like some he's, serious espionage shit going on he's here. He's for real. He's for real. He's for real. And then as they're pulling him out, he's like, take her, leave me alone. Take her. Like, take her. <laughs> Oh, man. And again, just that scene is just so amazing because it just embodies, it's like, the thousands upon thousands of dollars that's being used of taxpayers' dollars just at this guy's discretion for his own personal issue. That, oh, man. Yeah, we Uh, go from, we go from, like, oh, don't you think it's a bad idea? Like it breaks protocol to put an unauthorized tap on her phone to we're going to bring in helicopters and tactical teams and like, you know, which the, the, the Gahonis on Helen in that scene. Cause she like knees a tactical guy in the nuts and starts like, she can hold her own. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. And she holds her own in the hotel bedroom when she, like... Kicks the shit out of Arnold. Yeah. 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 No, um, it's, it's funny. It is It is funny. And you know what? It was the 90s, so I think... I mean, I don't want to get too political or too inappropriate here, but, like, I, things... Police... Def, like, there weren't the rules and regulations that there are, so I think the fact that oh, someone for was sure. misusing funds... You know, it probably isn't that too far from the truth to some degree. And the thing about it being the 90s is, is, you know, and I noticed this all throughout, like this changes as the action gets more crazy. Like once there's, um, you know, like the hover jet thing and stuff like that. But for a lot of this movie, I'm just sitting at it watching it going, they don't make movies like this anymore. Nowadays, this Mm. would all be CGI and it wouldn't be that convincing. Mm. Right? So, but like the washroom fighting scene, right? Like they've got like squibs in the wall that are blowing so that there's bullet holes and, right. and there's real sparks coming down from the, like, mm-hmm. and it's just like, they're actually blowing things up that need to be blown up. And like, it, I don't, it's so much of it was just like such a callback to practical movie making. Mm-hmm. And it made it feel so real and so believable and so convincing uh, that I really admired that. And it's just such mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's such a, a test to the 90s and, and how we've lost some of that magic of, of movie making now. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, peripheral actors in this movie, hit or miss for me. You know, I love me some Charlton Heston. He's a he's one of those classic Hollywood actors in some great films. And when I saw his name roll in the credits, I got a little excited. I'm like, hey, this could be fun. And he was very meh. I felt he was very underused. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Sleazy Bill Paxton. You know what? I That was that was well thought. It was entertaining. It was funny. You know, there was that s- side um, kind of car sequence where he imagines punching him in the face and knocking him out. And it's just so instantaneous, so strong is from Arnold. And, you know, there were just moments like that where I just laughed out loud. And it's, he, he makes a return in the ending credit. So I, I got I got a kick out of Bill Paxton. Um, but yeah, I, I think just with the overlap with Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I think the second half of this film, and this is where the biggest critique comes from, is the second half. I just wanted a bit more relational stuff going on, you know? And I, I would have reworked it a lot, but I think I would have been appeased with just a couple small things. Like, in... In the torture scene, have a bit more interpersonal conversation going on, you know, where, I don't know, Jamie Lee Curtis says, hey, honey, like, why didn't you tell me this? Or, you know, like, just some, just some aspects of the relation, relational aspects, which is more heartwarming, and the comedy coming back into play. Like, I think I just wanted more of that coming into it versus just kind of dropping everything and becoming an action element. And, um... I think there would have been a lot of feel there just because you've got a couple that's kind of grown apart, you know? Yeah. Obviously, aside from him keeping his career secret, they're they're obviously split up enough apart that she, she does some things on the side, not maliciously, but just out of, you know, living her own life because there's things that just aren't being met in her life. And so, you know, I think there just could have been some, some touch points where you say, Hey honey, like what, what happened to us or what's going on with this? Or, you know, I think there could have been a lot more, uh, to just round out the second half of the film where, you know, it's almost like in the second half of the film, they're like, Oh crap, we forgot this was about terrorists and, uh, let's just connect some dots and, uh, we don't have any time for more relational things. So, that would be my only main critique. Yeah. Also, what is like, and I don't know if this is just a nineties thing, but like, what is this agency that within a year she's no longer a law clerk. She's an operative. <laughs> oh, who is yeah, like, right. Like, what is the vetting process? What is the trick? Like, is this her first mission? I don't think so. It's the nineties. It became man. very like, it became very spy kids at that point where it was just right. like, all right, we're on. And it was like, it's go time. Yeah. Call the babysitter because <laughs> mommy and daddy have to go do some secret operation. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, I, to me, that was just, which again, like it was silly and it was over the top and mm. farcical, but it it didn't, didn't detract from it for me because I was mm-hmm. still like, yeah, I want a sequel. Like you've just set up a dynamic now that mm. I'm game for and I want to see more of. For sure. For sure. <sighs> I think that's about all I need to cover. Anything else that you wanted to cover with this with this film? Just that I was so pleasantly surprised. You know what? I was genuinely too. bummed out that there's no sequel. Yeah. That that's it. That I can't, you know. And but and here's the thing though. Like Bill Paxton's gone, but I don't know that you'd really bring his character back. <laughs> 
Probably right? not. Like, I, I don't know that you would, like, he would feel just kind of shoehorned in, in a lot of ways, if you if you brought him back. Um, but Tom Arnold's still alive. Arnold's still alive. And acting. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is still alive and acting. Yeah. And we're living in an era where we're going back and doing sequels to things like 20 years later. I don't know. Uh, I'd be game. I think the ship has sailed. I think, you know, I think the ship's in another port, in my opinion. You know, like, you you lose the part of me of at least why I enjoyed it was the nostalgic 90s element. So I, I, I would be wanting to throw in a sequel into the DVD player. That was from, you know, 1997 or 2002 or something, you know. Okay, back up, back up for a second here. Please, please. If this film came out tomorrow, the sequel came out tomorrow, right? Yep. There would be an eight-year smaller gap than between the two Top Gun movies. Oh, night and day difference. Night and day difference. You wouldn't go see so if if True Lies two came out tomorrow. You wouldn't go see it in a theater. No, not a chance. I'd really? watch. Really, I would watch it, but not in theater. Not in theaters. I huh. mean, we're talking about we're talking about very different things. Very different theater movie going experiences and very different plot continuation aspects. Right. I guess, yeah, yeah. I guess. Apples All and right. oranges. Well, friend. I'll go with Carl because I know Carl would go. I listen, I, listen. Don't don't delete no, no, me on no, your no, phone. No. I, like no. I, I will, yeah. I'll yeah. make an evening out of it. But. I'll I'll be the one that goes and feels up Carl during a movie in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Zero to ten, sir. Where do you place True Lies? Numero yeah. one. <laughs> I give the first half an eight out of ten. Uh, you gave, can't. No, don't be breaking don't, things. You got to average it. Then let me, take your let first me half finish, and your second half and average it. Let me it. finish. Fr- let me finish, my friend. Give the first half an eight out of ten. I give the second half a four out of ten. So I'm meeting in the middle. I gave this movie a six out of ten. It's definitely respectable. Definitely enjoyed it over the halfway mark of a five. So six is respectable. Six out of ten. Okay. Yeah. On my scale of how much effort, it just uh, needs to be like one of those streaming sites or a friend lends you it on DVD, which is what happened in this case. So yeah. don't need what friend, to. What friend lended it to you? Carl. 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 Matthew. Elizabeth. Okay? Eastman. Are you okay? Yeah. You just you struggled with the word Carl there. Carl. Like if uh, if I know you're dedicated to the show, but if you thought you were having a stroke, we would like we would stop, <laughs> right? And you would The show must go on. The show must okay. All right. Well we'll we'll wrap things up quickly then so you can seek medical <laughs> medical attention. What did you give it out of ten? Uh, I give it a seven point nine. Yeah. Not quite That's an eight. Respectable. Yep. Not quite an eight. Um but uh and not something that I feel like I like I watched it on Amazon Prime. Mm. Um and so not something that I feel like I need to own on Blu-ray or anything. Um but definitely something that like 
something I would recommend. Like if I were at a, a hangout and people are like, oh, you know, we need input. Like what movie are we going to watch? If I found out there were people there who hadn't seen it, I would recommend it. I would I would throw that that name in. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. I, you know what? I uh, This is a fun movie. I would absolutely watch this with the group again. Yeah. Um, what'd you watch in the last two months? Well, <laughs> before we get there, I'm going to hijack things. And I'm going to talk about the second place winner, Guarding Tess. One, because friend of the show Daphne voted for it. And two, this fell into that category of TBS Sunday movies. And so I couldn't pass up the opportunity to rewatch it and see what I thought of it again. So I watched the 1994 Guarding Tess. And you have not seen it. But just to bring you up to speed, bring the listener up to speed... Uh, Nicholas Cage plays a Secret Service agent, coincidentally. Um, and in this case, he's looking after a former First Lady and the two Budheads all the time. They're at each other's throats. Um, Cage is at odds because he doesn't want to be wasting his career doing what he thinks is kind of mundane work. And this First Lady is just kind of a person set in her ways and also just an empty shell of herself. So the, the two, uh, she's quite demanding and the two are butting heads. But um, I, I, I didn't mind this movie. You know, it, I gave it a six out of 10. It's not the most amazing movie I've ever seen, but it was solid. And the reason I didn't give it a higher, it reminded me a lot of Driving Miss Daisy, which came out around four or five years prior to this. So if you're familiar with that, that is... Uh, not sure who plays the female lead, but Morgan Freeman plays a driver, and it that movie was really fleshed out, and I just remember tearing up at the end of Driving Miss Daisy, and it was emotionally gripping, emotionally charged. Uh, Guarding Test didn't get me to that quite level, uh, but it had the framework for it, and for that, I give it kudos. Um, you know, uh, the tension and the chemistry between the two main characters, Nicolas Cage himself, you know... It's a respectable film. And like we talked about, is Arnold a good actor? Again, I was curious, is Nicolas Cage himself a good actor? And I, I'm leaning a bit towards no. Like, there were some scenes, and one specifically in Guarding Tess, where he's talking with the president on the phone at a diner, like at a payphone. And so it's just a scene where you don't hear or you don't see the president. You just see Nicolas Cage. And so it's just face acting. It's him reacting and giving a convincing, convincing scene. And you know what? To his credit, I thought it was great. I thought it was good. He had moments where he was good. And then there'd be other moments where he was just his usual Nicolas Cage self, where he has these manic outbursts that are almost comedic. But in the context of what is being said in the film, it's not a comedic moment. So you you kind of raise your eyebrow a bit and go, ah, this doesn't really gel. This doesn't really jive. So I I am just so curious about the whole Nicolas Cage question, if he's a good actor or not. Uh, because if you look at earlier in his career, he's got like Raising Arizona, these like really kind of good films that I go, okay, yeah, he's got this. And I'm still curious to watch the film he's won an Oscar in. And then guarding Tess is somewhere in between. But then you do see National Treasure, and maybe it's just National Treasure being National Treasure, and it masks his kind of under underperforming as an actor. But, you know, he's got these peaks and valleys, I guess is my point. So I'm just, I am no closer 
to saying Nicolas Cage is a good actor or not, but the needle was pointing a bit towards the no. But I still enjoyed it. Maybe it was just the sentimental aspect. So Guarding Tess, 1994, definitely has some heartwarming moments. Definitely, uh, I got a kick out of watching. Um, Has some good framework, but doesn't quite make it as a Driving Miss Daisy 2.0. Doesn't reach that quite quite that level of uh, emotional emotional significance. So Guarding Tess, 6 out of 10. We need to get to the bottom. We need to sit down and, and figure out a plan for how we're going to get to the bottom of whether or not Nicolas Cage is a good actor. I don't know, because it used to be just an argument with you, because I used to just say, Brady, I feel the opposite of you. I don't think he's a good actor. But then there's sometimes, like, there's examples of films where either I think he's good in a film or he has good moments in a film. So it's, I haven't shut the door completely on him being a good actor, but I'm not as as sure as I was that he was bad, if that makes sense. I guess. I mean, I, I'm, I'm also not firmly in the camp of he's a good actor. Sure. But I'm. I'm not in the camp of he's a bad actor. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I think my curiosity to get to the bottom of this is mm-hmm. just as strong as ever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. We, we do need to get to the bottom of it. And it's a fun mm-hmm. answer to dig into. But shout yeah. out to Daphne, friend of the show, guarding Tess. Glad glad she, she pointed me into that direction for that journey of reflection. Heads or tails? Tails? Uh, he's a good actor. Oh. <laughs> Apparently, he's a good actor. <laughs> well, yeah. What are the odds? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 50-50. Um, would you watch in the last little... It's been a while. It's been a long time since we've uh, gotten around to talking about some of our recent viewing experiences. Mm-hmm. It has been a while. And so I've made a point... I am not going to go through all the films that I've watched in this past while. I'm just going to chip at it bit by bit, week by week. And uh, it's just a way to kind of casually get through things. First and foremost, this is the the the, the thing we're really worthy of talking about. I, I watched Top Gun Maverick again. I did it. I just had a third to. time. A third time I've seen it. Like you went to the theater? I did not. I watched oh, it. Okay. I, like, I, I purchased it for home release. And, uh, okay. um, yeah, so, uh, like, good Lord, sir. <laughs> I actually probably would have, but my wife hadn't seen it yet. So I was like, I know what we're doing tonight, watching Top Gun Maverick. And, uh, man, did it, she it's like still, it? She like care more now about her review than I do yours. Oh yeah. She was like, she was sitting, like she pulled her feet up onto the couch at a certain point, like when it got intense and was wondering certain things when things were happening and when things weren't happening and asking me what was going to happen here and what was going to happen there. So she was invested. And I, yeah, I, I, after watching it three times, I still enjoy it. And I think way more positively about it than the first time I watched it. It still makes me emotional when it's supposed to. It still has me at the edge of my seat when it's supposed to. It still has some times where I'm giggling and laughing at it. Like what an incredible film. You said this, it's his masterpiece, Tom Cruise, that is, and just the movie of 2022 until I'm proven otherwise. Yeah. Okay. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Okay. All right. Without a doubt. Uh, another film I watched in this past hiatus, I watched a 1983 film starring Tom Cruise 
the classic risky business. Um, I give it a five out of 10, you know, mainly because I'm still kind of on the Tom Cruise kick where, you know, if it was someone else, I may not have given it a score. It's kind of, I think what would like, it's the eighties equivalent to somewhat of a raunch com where this teenage boy, his parents are out for the weekend. So he hires a call girl and then kind of gets in a scheme with her to like make money with a bunch of high school kids and hosts parties and as you do as you do so it's it's kind of a weird film you know five out of ten i think i gave it leaned heavy on the nostalgia of like being an 80s classic film and having tom cruise the film itself wasn't too much to write home about it wasn't anything spectacular but i feel it's one of those movies that you need to watch if you're a film buff and it has the classic iconic scene with tom cruise dancing around to some bob seeger and it's got some iconic moments, some iconic lines. So it's it was definitely an interesting view. And the last thing that I'll talk about is I fulfilled an oath and I watched Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Finally. And I gave it a four out of ten. Oh my gosh. So I made some notes because I, 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 I've, I've got to make a, a comment here because again, Carl Eastman... Uh, stood in my place and, and guessed it on the show with you when it came out. So I, I appreciated Carl jumping in and his MCU background and the chemistry with Carl. Uh, but I agree with Carl with some things he said. I think we've jumped the shark that is, um, you know, the content that MCU is pouring out. Maybe we need a break. Maybe we need to take a breath. Maybe need we need to ask where we're going. Um yeah, I, I I do feel, I do feel the MCU maybe has a bit of an identity crisis, and that was kind of the the multiverse of madness was kind of the focal point of that for me. I do feel like I was disappointed that it was a continuation of WandaVision versus a continuation of Spider Man, um, and I came to the conclusion that every single Doctor Strange cameo in the MCU is far greater than either of the Doctor Strange films. Um, so, yeah, I, I, my problem with it again, I, you speculated that it might be that it had horror elements and that's why I hate it. And I actually didn't mind it. Not my cup of tea, but that wasn't the undoing of it for me. It's uh, definitely a weird tone for the MCU. I'll say that. But, uh, yeah, just, I'm, I'm just curious where we're going with the MCU always having to one up itself and how long you can continually one up yourself and, where where do you go with that? Yeah, eventually, you got to catch your breath. So, uh, again, well, I mean, that's that's all been announced now. By the way, since since we did that review, like it's all it's all the been two announced Avengers the it, two Avengers films that we're working towards and what's happening and sure okay, but it's all been announced. But does it explain? Sorry, not that it needs to be explained from a narrative or story perspective per se but just what are like what are we doing here again with carl saying like always kind of one-upping itself at some point the intensity is just kind of getting getting out of hand and where are we going like what's going to be the next big thing so i, I i'm not, i i didn't enjoy the film and i'm just i'm skeptical of where the mcu is at these days i suppose okay but i will say Good for Carl for stumping Brady times three on trivia. I was sad Brady made the trivia sound for Carl, but not me. 
and uh, the leg caressing reference was definitely there, and it made it into this episode too. So I think that's an ongoing gig from this point on. I think it has to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, that is where I will cap things off with what I watched. What did you watch this past undisclosed amount of time? Also, now you need to. You're still one behind, uh, and um, as much, of to, as capacity. of today, Thor: Love and Thunder is on. Oh, okay. Well, I'll it's skip on Disney ahead. Plus. So okay, so. I I have seen Thor: Love and Thunder. I saw it in theaters. Oh. I gave it a five out of ten. It's not it good. Was, it was awful. It made Thor: The Dark World move over for one of the worst spots in the MCU. Oh, and Thor the Dark World is still worse. It's still worse, but it's in the same breath. Yeah. I will say this. Where I said... Where I have a problem with the MCU in that it's getting... It's a little too convoluted, a little too weird, and I, I, I've described it again, so I won't repeat myself. I thought the breath of fresh air was, okay, we've got Taika Waititi here. At least we can... He's the captain of our ship, He's not running the whole MCU ship, but he's got this branch of Thor and just do with it what he will, and at least we can have that. I've now come to the conclusion that Thor Ragnarok, which is one of my favorite MCU films, still iconic, still flawless for me in some ways, that was not a sign of things to come with his involvement in the MCU. It was a flash in the pan. It was a great moment. And that was it. I Thor Love and Thunder, I just... I, maybe I wasn't in the right headspace. I had some things going on in my life at the time. But man, what a somber film. What a... You know, it had its light moments. But man, was it dark. And it wasn't forgiving. And it was just... Had some, some story narrative parts too that I just felt like, okay. I guess this is where we're going. This is a choice. It's not a good choice. But it's a choice. So... Yeah, I I have done my homework and I've been said I've done it. Okay. All right. <laughs> what what have you watched? Now you just have like three dozen shows to <laughs> Well actually no, I haven't watched them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so I watched a couple of the I watched a bunch of things and I've written down the ones I can remember because I'm sure in that period of time there's probably films that I am not remembering of mm-hmm. um i watched i rewatched supersize me the documentary that we all oh. watched in school as yeah. as kids yeah uh, you know it's definitely dated like you mm. it, it's still entertaining and still interesting but it's definitely you're like oh okay well a lot of this is not factually accurate anymore um because of changes a that just simply happen over time and B that mm. happened as a result of this documentary. So oh, it's yeah. interesting to go back and, and see the way things were. Hmm. Uh, I watched grownups one and two. Oh, okay. I was like really bored. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, grownups <laughs> one, grownups one was actually very funny and very entertaining. Grownups two was a huge swing and a miss. Like it had none of the charm of the first one. Yeah. So, that's I remember kinda... the first one. I haven't seen it in five, ten years, but I do remember the first one being a hoot. The second one yeah. being a mute. Then I was kind of on an Adam Sandler kick, so I watched Pixels, which is 
Hmm. I think an underappreciated Adam Sandler movie. Adam Sandler, Josh Gad, Peter Dinklage, uh, Kevin James. Kevin James plays the president of the United States. So it's like, it's, it's interesting though. If you haven't seen it, it's worth a, I'm bored and have nothing else to put on (laughs) kind of watch. Um, I watched the new Elvis bi- oh, biopic. Oh, yeah. Okay. The Tom and Hanks, Austin Butler yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, I really liked it. Okay. Really liked it. Where, yeah. How, well, like roughly, where would you give it out of 10? Um, Like an 8.5. Okay. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah. Can I ask if you had to pick like a higher or lower which film is higher or lower great gatsby or elvis i mean i wasn't crazy on great gatsby so sure. like i would i would put it Kay. definitely higher than great yep. gatsby yep. um but i i don't know for sure if you would sure and obviously yeah. for the listener who probably is aware as well but like same director and same type of like iconic americana you know greatest american novel greatest american singer performer so like i feel like there's some similarities and i'm obviously great gatsby is very near and dear to me so that's why i ask and that's a very interesting point yeah uh and then finally i went and saw a movie in the theater oh yeah well where what was it it was the third time i've watched this movie in the theater oh i know what it is but only but the first time in quite a while Oh, I, I know exactly what it is. I went and watched No Way Home. Yeah, okay. But for those who don't know, No Way Home was re-released, but it's not the version that we all watched months and months and months ago. It's like oh. 15 minutes longer. Like it's huh. an extended cut. Huh. Yeah. So I went and watched No Way Home again. And? It's so good, man. It's now, so good. It, now... It itself, or it's better because of the 15 minutes? Like, weigh in on that. Um, some of the additional scenes were just kind of whatever. Um, but there's a lot more, like, Toby and Andrew stuff. Ooh. Like, specifically around, like, the conversation where they're trying to... When, when they're at the Statue of Liberty and they're, like, grilling Toby about his organic web shooters. <laughs> and it's just so funny. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, that's cool. no, it's it's good, man. It was that's good. Cool. It was well worth it. What I'll so. say, what I'll say, and I've got some Top Gun Maverick pamphlets to drop at your door later if you have some time to talk about Scientology. Um, I remember watching Spider-Man No Way Home in the theater, and I remember who I saw it with and what I did with that person. But I I remember you got a little just, gropey. I remember being blown away, but blown away by that film. Like that, at the time, coming out of like in our region, things were closed in the pandemic, and at that point, then it was like things were opening up, so we could go in theaters again. And so, not only could I see something in theaters, but I could see this iconic film that made it like top six worldwide gross. So you know, it was an amazing movie going experience, and I still like the film. I watched it a couple months later and at home and uh, still a good film, 
But the shine had worn off a bit, and I think like if I had given it a nine when I saw it in theaters, it was an eight when I saw it at home. So still great. What? Still, I still teared up. But you know, like cooler heads prevailed, and I said, okay, great film. But it was, you know, like it wasn't as perfect as I remembered it. Top Gun That's Maverick. still respectable, though. Still respectable. Don't get me wrong. I'm not throwing shade. I'm just saying Top Gun Maverick. And I was hypercritical of it when it came out. But between when I saw it the first time in the theaters and the second time in theaters, and now months later when I've seen it at home. So that's from like May till now where we're looking at September. So that's like five months. Five months have passed. And it has gained in scoring out of 10 and not dropped an ounce of the intensity and the 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 visual pleasure of just the color tones and the visuals of the the, the, the planes and the skylines that movie it's just a testament to that movie that although Norway Home is still good it, it just didn't quite hold up as much as I thought Top Gun Maverick did hold up as much as I thought and and more like yeah, I, yeah. It's like amazing. I watched it for the third time and I like I'm already ready to watch it again I'm yeah there. yeah it's amazing I'm there Wrap this thing up, sir. I have to pee. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We are happy to be back making content again. We, we took our bit of a hiatus, and we are be- ready to be back at it. Uh, check out our socials below. Please like, follow, subscribe. Please give a comment and a, a like on the episode post. We love hearing from you. It gives us a kick. Um, you can also DM us on Facebook. That's probably the best way to contact us if you have to say, hey, got an undisclosed amount of money how how best do we give it to you brady and peter uh check out our patreon page merchandise pig we've got some new merch some revitalized merch uh thanks to our friend of the show andrew and uh check out the patreon page as always it's ways for you to help support the show and uh ways for us to help you uh help you back um we've I guess I'll give a shout out to two specific Patreon supporters this month. We'll give the rest of the shout outs later on, but a uh, shout out to Carl, who I think true lies was his voting option. And I'll give a shout out to Adam. Cause I, I can't remember if it was his voting option or not. He had a couple, uh, but if not, he definitely voted for it too. So those, those, those individuals will get shout outs and we thank you. And we thank you all for your support. So thank you very much. And until next time, when we talk about, insert blank we'll, we'll, we look forward to talking to you and that's where you can edit in what we're going to talk about next yeah, yeah with, we'll Microsoft, figure it out. with Microsoft Sam's voice yeah human centipede yeah <laughs>